Welcome to Get Your Book Done. I'm your host, Christine Closer, a Wall Street Journal and USA Today bestselling author, award-winning publisher, and book writing coach to thousands. I love helping aspiring nonfiction authors write, publish, and promote their best books because there's nothing more powerful than writing a book to transform your life, your readers' lives, your business, and ultimately the world with your message. So let's get started. Welcome, transformational authors. I am super excited to share this episode with you because my amazing guest is someone near and dear to my heart. He's the very first author that I published in 2004. He's also the only person I know who has had a higher than 100% closing ratio for some of his author talks and signings, selling more copies of his books than there were people in his audience. He also happens to be my husband the person who led me down this path of coaching authors and who I'm blessed to share my life with every single day. So welcome, David. <laughs> welcome. What an intro. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So tell everyone, when did you first realize that you wanted to write a book? Well, I really didn't. I was actually at a seminar with you and I heard somebody else on the seminar stage talk about how they wrote a book. And they had interviewed a few people and sold quite a few copies. And it just hit me right then and there that that's what I want to do. I want to go interview a bunch of baseball players and write a book about it, kind of the short version of it. But that, that was it. And I remember that was 2002 because I was sitting right next to you. And I swear, you guys, <laughs> I could feel his body temperature rise when he had this idea. Like, I have not seen my husband that flush, that like fired up and turned on about an idea for, you know, a long time. So it was, it was a pretty significant moment, I think, for both of us, you know, where, where it's led us. So would you share a little bit about how, well, talk about your idea, like what is the book and, and you know, what was your idea for it and how did you get started? A lot of authors, I know, because I, you know, worked with thousands of you over the years. Like the big question is, what do I do first? Like, how do I get started? I have this idea, but I don't know what to do. So can you talk a little bit about your idea and then how in the world you got started? Well, first I, I coach baseball. I was, we were living in Los Angeles and coaching baseball. And for me, it, my style of coaching is coaching the life lessons, more of the bigger picture, not so much the X's and O's, how we're going to win. I mean, that, that is part of it. But for me, my coaching style and, and philosophy is baseball is going to end. And when you do, how can you take the lessons that you learn from the athletic field and have that carry over into life? I mean, it, it's going to end the end of the day or it's going to end and you're never going to play again. So when practice is over, how are you going to continue on taking these lessons? So I've had that in the back of my mind. Again, that's how I coach and, and teach. So then hearing that author speak about how he had interviewed a bunch of famous people and got their nuggets of wisdom. It's like, that's it. That's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to convey life lessons to these young kids. And who better to learn it from the ones that are at the, the top of the, their field, the Major League Baseball players, Hall of Fame players. So it's like, okay, let's just go and interview these baseball players. It just stop, stop right there, right? Because my husband, while he was a good baseball player and has a fun story about Barry Bonds, maybe we'll hear about, but he didn't know any Major League Baseball players. 
he didn't know any minor league baseball players. And as far as he knew, he didn't know anyone who knew any minor league or major league baseball players. So I just want to give some context. It's not like he was, you know, like really hooked up with the Dodgers and whatever other, you know, teams are out there in the Padres down in San Diego, not too far from where we used to live. Like he knew no one. So I, I just want to add that backdrop. So go ahead with the story, hon. Well, that, and that was it. It was just like, yeah, I'm, this is what I'm going to do. And my game plan was... I'm going to just put it out to everybody that I am writing this baseball book on life lessons. And it wasn't that I'm going to write this book because going to is going to be in the future, but I committed to myself saying, I am writing this baseball book. Do you know of a major league baseball player? That was my philosophy. That was my game plan. I'm just going to ask everybody. I'm doing this book. Do you know of somebody? And I figured somebody was going to know somebody who knew somebody. And once I got that first guy, he was going to tell his teammates and it was just going to spread like wildfire. So long story short is actually a friend of a friend of my brother knew of a minor league baseball owner who was in Florida. I got a chance to get on the phone with him and pitched him my idea. And he said, I like it. Good idea. What I can do for you. Here's what I can do for you. I can leave you a pass at spring training and uh, a, a press pass. That is like a media pass. Yeah. Press pass. Come to the front gate at the spring training facility and it'll be waiting for you. Just go up to the, the gate there and the rest is what you need to do. I said, okay, great. So living in Los Angeles, I told you, my wife, that I got my first lead. You know, this guy who's going to leave me a pass and all I need to do is fly to Florida, go to the spring training site and start interviewing players. And I had done my homework too. I had, here's the players I wanted to interview. I had a list of questions that I wanted to ask. And again, it was about life lessons, about respect, working with others. How do you overcome errors, things of that nature. And I tested it out too. My, my questions, I, like I said, I was coaching a high school team. So I tried it out on my, my players because I had never done this before. I did not study journalism in college. I didn't do very well in English. I wasn't anything like that. So it's like one sense I had no business doing this, but I asked around, I asked experts. I remember there was a guy I know who ran a radio show. And I said, what can I expect? You know, I've never done this before. You know, and he says, you know, if you go up to players, you get about two to three minutes per ball player, consider that a good interview. I said, okay, great. And I, I had like a digital recorder and I had a lavalier mic. I didn't have like a handheld mic. I mean, I was, <laughs> I was raw. And I, <laughs> I imagine some of the players were kind of looking at me cross-eyed saying, who is this guy? But and again, another thing, I would just, I would observe, I would go into the clubhouse and I would watch the professionals, the professional media people, whether it's newspapers, newspaper writers or magazines or TV people. I kind of watch how they would do it because right on my pass, it would say, this can be taken away at any time for any reason. So I did not want to stick out for the wrong reason. So I kind of just sat back and watched, how do these guys do it? And then how can I fit in? And then Again, being really raw and not really knowing, I had a piece of paper, a list of questions, and I would read it. It's like, you know, who was your favorite baseball player when you were a young kid? Because my goal was to interview players, coaches, managers, even Hall of Fame players from all 30 major league teams. And I ended up doing that, over 300, 300 of them. So, Pretty amazing story. <laughs> 
<laughs> and I I had a front row seat. Like that was a that was a fun thing. Before I know there was more to share, but I first just want to point out some things for everyone listening. Because yes, you're listening to my awesome husband talk about his fabulous book called Stepping Up to the Plate, where he did interview over 300 major league baseball players. Hall of Famers, I think some team managers even. I, I don't know completely, but I mean, even I enjoyed reading the book and I'm not a huge baseball fan. It's a good book. But aside from just listening to his, his story, I want to point out just a couple things here for you that you can take to heart for writing your own book. One of those points was when David said, you know, I didn't say that I was going to write a book. I said, I am writing a book. And that's a huge distinguishing moment. Even if you haven't written a word yet, if you can get in your head that you are writing a book, not that you're going to someday in some you know distant future, next year, the year after, decade later, the I am. And then the other thing I want to just point out. Well, if I can jump in, sure. when I would say that to people, I would notice a shift in them. They paid attention more to me in a sense of, oh, you're writing a book? Tell me more. What is it? And so, they, so they were engaged with me. And then when I said I'm looking for baseball players, it's like they wanted to do me that favor. It's like, okay, oh, you're doing this right now? Let me see. Let me think. Do I know of anybody? Who could I call? As opposed to I'm going to. It's like, oh, that's great. You know, well, that's neat. Well, let me know when it comes out. So there was more of a, an immediate engagement just in conversation and energy, but also somebody else's willingness to try to help me out because, oh, this is happening now. Let, let's, okay, what can I do to help you? Yeah. And that was nice. It was a great feeling, which I was not expecting. Well, you were willing and all of you who are writing books have to be willing to do what it takes. My husband was willing to do what it took. I mean, I remember dropping him off at the airport. It was he was taking a red eye from LA to Florida. He was going to like show up, you know, rent a car and land at this field. Like it was a complete unknown, but he did what it took. He didn't let the fact that he didn't know what in God's great earth he was doing. And I knew nothing about books at this point, so I was no help to him. It didn't stop him. He had a passion, right? Like you have a passion to write your book. And he didn't let all the doubts, all the questions, all the unknowns stop him. He just did what it took. And the other thing I want you to note for yourself is that, you know, he knew he had never done it before. So he observed and he learned from those who knew. He watched those reporters. He saw what they were doing. He observed and then applied to himself. And many of you who are writing books are trying to do it without working with someone who knows what to do. And it's so much harder than just following in the footsteps of someone who knows what they're doing when it comes to writing a book. So just want to point out those things that I am, do whatever it takes and learn from those who know how to do it. And I, and I could have really bought into the fact of, I don't know what I'm doing. Who am I to be doing this? I mean, I'm just this tadpole in this ocean of, you know, authors or even the sports world and all this other stuff. But it was just, it was more my unique niche within my coaching of, well, this is part of what I do. It fits right in line with it. I coach bigger picture life lessons. And I'm preaching this and coaching this and teaching this to the players and they kind of get it. But it's like, well, you know what, you know what really hit home? And again, it didn't happen until after I saw the person on stage. It's like, well, the major league baseball players. I mean, when I was a kid, that's who I looked up to. I wanted to emulate them. So I figured why not have them emulate mindset things of, again, working with others, overcoming adversity. How do you prepare for success, not only on the field, but off the field? So this, the idea of writing the book wasn't conscious that hey, I am going to write a book. It like it just 
the book found me and, and it just went from there. Absolutely. And like many of you listening, right? The book found you. Like you didn't, you know, grow up and for years, like, oh, I'm going to be an author someday. Like all of a sudden there was a moment, like there was for my husband, like there was for me, like there was for, you know, the thousands of people I've coached around the world, this moment where all of a sudden you have this vision, right? Your vision for what it is you want to do and why you want to do it and how you want to impact. Like David had crystal clarity that he was going to interview hundreds of major league ball players and turn it into a book. He knew nothing about how to do that, but he had clarity, he had passion, and he learned from those who knew. And, you know, you want to just tell the story of what happened that first day that you landed in Florida and drove to the field? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I, well, even before that, when I had the vision, it was like, I'm going to write this baseball book. I'm going to you know, interview all these players. I'm going to bring two baseballs, one to get an autograph from the player himself so I can keep as a memento. The other one is I'm going to have them sign it and then I'm going to auction it off or sell it and then donate it to a charity. And then somebody said, well, what if you bring a film crew in and all this other stuff? And it's like, well, you know, the other side of it too was when I produced the books, I'm going to sell them back to the major league teams and have it as a giveaway item. Like when they have the foam finger, the bobbleheads, why not have a baseball book? I mean, literally all this stuff just came downloading right to me within seconds. And some of the stuff I did do, some of the stuff didn't pan out, but it was just like, okay, great. Yeah, let's go. Let's go. So yeah, after I, I ended up flying to Florida, got the, it was for the uh, Minnesota Twins and uh, Detroit Tigers and uh, went there, went to the front gate and I said, I'm David Closer. I'm here to uh, pick up credential that you know, this person left for me. And they're like looking back there for the credential. And they said, what's your name again? I said, David Closer. They said they would leave it for me. And they said, okay, yep, here it is right here. Here's your credential. Just wear that around your neck. Go through those two doors. And on the left is the clubhouse. Do what you need to do. And then I called you later that night. And I said, I just got done interviewing, you know, 15 of the Detroit Tigers. This book is going to be awesome. You know, and I thought I was in, I was in heaven. You know, it was great. And people that you didn't know, <laughs> which was fine. But I knew some of the names. I knew Randy Johnson. I but knew, he wasn't with the Tigers at the time. Uh, oh, that, that's, yeah. Okay. That then I didn't probably know any of them. But I do know the names of some of the players. <laughs> Alex, what is it? Alex uh, Rodriguez. Rodriguez, Pujols, Albert Pujols, whatever. I knew, I knew some of the names. It wasn't completely in the dark, you guys. But for me, I was like a kid in a candy store. It's like this, this was so much fun. And again, I was making mistakes. I was in the locker room. And inside the locker room, everybody has their their last name up in front of the locker and here there's these guys walking around in t-shirts or whatever, or they even have their jerseys on, but they don't have their name. And I stuck my foot in my mouth quite a few times. I would call a player by the wrong name because a few players were hanging around this one locker. It's like, is it this guy or this guy? It's like, well, I'm just going to go for it. And uh, excuse me, Mr. Jones. It's like, you know, my name's David Closer. It's like, Oh, that's not Mr. Jones. This is right over here. It's like, okay. And I was, honest and upfront and said, Hey, you know, I've never done this before, but, uh, you know, sorry about that. And they, and they were accepting of it, but I could have beaten myself up and said, this is dumb or I shouldn't be doing this, but you know, I just kept at it. So, I mean, mistakes were part of it. Now let's talk about mistakes because a lot of authors along the way feel like, you know, they make mistakes like, Oh man, like that chapter I wrote just wasn't that good, or I forgot the story or what, you know, whatever it is, like they just feel like they're not necessarily doing their best right out the gate. And some of them, unfortunately, 
when they don't have something come out perfect the first time onto the page as if it were ready to be published, you know, they, they put it away because they have this expectation that it should be perfect the first time. And you had an experience with Barry Zito where you really had to learn about being okay with it not being perfect the first time and not letting it stop you. So would you share that story? Because all, all, you know, no matter what book you're writing, where you're at in the journey, every author I've ever met to some degree has to overcome this, you know, this fear of making mistakes and not having it be perfect. And I, I know this Barry Zito story speaks to things not being perfect and, you know, going forward anyway. Well, part of that too, I mean, going through the whole experience, there was a lot of humbling moments, like I said, forgetting ballplayers' names, things like this. But this one with, with Barry Zito was a, a pretty big one. <laughs> so I had, I just got done. He had won the Cy Young Award, which is the best pitcher of the league the year before. And he was really an excellent pitcher. And not only that, the answers he was giving me to my questions were just like golden nuggets. And I'm just sitting there listening to him. You know, I've got the the lavalier mic right in his in in front of his mouth, and it's like it's like I'm thinking to myself, "This is great. This is awesome. This is going to be great." And and I can't wait to go back to my hotel room and listen to it. So, again, on the way back, I think I called you. I said, "I got all these people who you didn't know." So anyway, I got back to my my hotel room, and it's like I really wanted to hear the interview with Barry Zito. I click on the microphone, and all I hear is, "And thank you very much, Mr. Zito." I had clicked the wrong button and I'm thinking, oh, you know, going through these highs and lows, the high when I first called you saying, I got all these baseball players, this book's going to be awesome. It's going to be wonderful. And then the low of this is probably the most, you know, great pearls of wisdom that I got from one baseball player. This book is going to be awesome. And now there's nothing there. It's like, this book's going to be terrible. Who's going to want to read it? I don't have anything now. So, and interesting, I started taking some of the advice that the baseball players were sharing with me, and I figured, well, let me just go back and see if I can interview them again. If I don't ask, my answer is going to be no. So, I eventually did go up to him, and I was honest with him. I said, I talked to you yesterday, or it might have been the other day, and I said, I accidentally hit the wrong button, and we didn't get any of the recording. I said, do you still, do you have time again to, to go over some of these questions? And he looked at me and looked at my recorder. He goes, yes, I do. But just make sure you hit play and record at the same time. And I said, absolutely. <laughs> I'm my watch. I, I, I did it, you know. And uh, we went and had another great interview. So it was just still that, to me, the, the takeaway from that was the humbling moment, all the different humbling moments I got. And here was another one. But it's like, I didn't let it get me down. I took the chance of, well, why not? you know, I got to swallow some pride. Let me go back and see if he's willing to interview again. And it turned out that I got access to him again. And to be honest and just say, Hey, I messed up, you know, but would you be willing, you know, we're all human. I made an error. The game's not over. We didn't lose the game. Will you give me another chance? I mean, if he, if he would have said, no, forget it. I, you had one shot. And that I had a few people say that to me, you know, no, I don't want to interview you, you know, leave me alone or later, later. And I would always go back and later. And one guy yelled at me, you know, and I'm just thinking, well, you said later, and I came back. Um, it was like, okay. But Barry Zito gave me, a, gave me a second opportunity, and I was very thankful. And I think the bottom line with that was that I was, I was open and honest, and I think he picked up on that. It's like, okay, 
And, you know, those highs and lows that you speak about, you know, in the story of how you wrote your book, I mean, these are highs and lows that every author goes through, right? Some days you sit down and it's like, you just, you can't stop the words from pouring out from your head and your heart and through your hands and onto the page. And it's just ecstasy. And then you look at what you wrote and you're like, oh my gosh, this is so amazing. I can't even believe this came out of me. Like, and though you have those highs and then you also have those lows where you sit down in front of a blank page and, you know, it's like there's just a dam and nothing wants to come out. And like I said earlier, the mistake that so many authors make is like believing that those lows are what's true, that they can't write, you know, that they don't have any good ideas. And they stop there. And I just love, David, how you talked about the highs and the lows. And, you know, you kept going anyway. You went back. I mean, maybe with your tail between your legs a little bit, but you went back to the drawing board and asked again and walked through your fear. I'm sure it wasn't easy thinking that you could be rejected, especially because you had been rejected by some players. You'd been yelled at by some players, you know, whatever. But you didn't let any of that rejection or any of that doubt actually stop you from continuing to go. And this is so essential for you listening because. The only reason why you ever won't write your book, publish your book, be out there selling thousands of copies of your book like David did, and I wanted to talk a little bit about how he sold thousands of copies of his book, you've got to just keep going. Just keep going. The only way that it doesn't happen is if you stop. And with that, it was, it was just more, and I probably wasn't realizing at the time, but it was more the driving force was the mission or the message that I wanted to convey about the life lessons, that was more important or more driving. The, my message that I wanted to convey was more important than, than me. So when the rejections came in, it wasn't, yes, I was the author, I was the interviewer, I was being rejected, I guess, temporarily, but it's like, but what's, what's going to be, what's more at stake? Is it me and my ego and my pride versus or the mis- mission or the message that I want to get out? So it's like, okay, yeah, I, I got, I got, you know, knocked off track here for a second, but let's get back. What's my message? What I want to convey? What do I want to get out there? That what do I want kids and parents to to eventually hear? Okay, then let me get myself. Let me go to who's the next guy in the in the in the batting order? You know, so to speak. I, I'll go to this guy, and that's that's part of what it was too. I only had a certain amount of time to interview these players, and if somebody said no, I couldn't take it personal. It's like okay, great, thank you for your time, but I'll go on to the next guy. And if you know if he wasn't the next guy, you know, and then I eventually did. And that's another thing I learned too. It's like, well, I really want to get this one player. And it's like, but I'm talking to this one guy, but what's most important is what's happening right here and now. So this person, let me give this person or what's happening right now, my full attention, whether it's writing or whether it's interviewing this player. Yeah. I'd like to maybe get this bigger name person, but the most important thing is that that is happening is happening right now. And then realizing again, I think the biggest takeaway from all this was my message is bigger than than me as far as rejection. So if you're not driving while you're listening to this show right now, I highly encourage you to write that down. I know I'm writing it down myself. My message is bigger than me. Again, if you're driving, don't write that. You can, you know, I'm sure we'll maybe have that in the show notes or in some of the social media you'll see around this episode. 
but that's so, so incredibly important. And that, that continues, David, because one of your big goals was to, you know, we had done all the numbers to figure out, well, if this, you know, if this stadium buys, you know, 50,000 copies of the book to give away, like to give away foam fingers, like this was a big goal of yours. And it, it didn't pan out that way. But you also didn't let the stadiums, you know, shutting you out from being a premium to getting out there. And I remember the spreadsheet that you put together to go speak to as many possible organizations as you could within like a three hour driving distance of our home. Would you speak to like, you know, what you did when the stadiums didn't pan out to buy tens of thousands of copies from you? Like, how did you keep going to get this message out? Well, that's what it was. It was, that was my initial vision was talking to all the teams and I got some pretty in-depth, I guess, down the line meetings with, with some, some organizations. And part of it was, it wasn't really getting anywhere. And then I actually had my brother who's in sales. I said, you know, maybe he can help me. He knows how to sell things. And if that, that could work. And that didn't really pan out as well. So I was, again, kind of dejected from that. And then just kind of stepped away from it a little bit. And then eventually somebody, a friend of yours said, well, why don't you speak at a Rotary Club? It's like, well, I've never spoken before. I mean, I like other than coaching, but nothing formal or anything like that. Well, I guess I'd have to write a 10, 15, 20 minute presentation. So, okay, then I can talk about I can talk about the book and then sell books at the back back end. But that was never in my original or initial plan. But so it definitely took a turn. And then from there, it was like, okay, this is kind of fun. I get to talk more baseball. So <laughs> I can talk. I can My husband really likes yeah. talking baseball. <laughs> I got a million thoughts going through my head right now. So I'm trying, trying to kind of <laughs> corral them so I can stay on track. But yeah, so I started doing rotaries. It's like, wow, that was a lot of fun. And people came up and wanted to know more and ask me more questions. And I got to talk more. So from that, it's like, well, where are there more rotary clubs? in the area. So I, you know, pretty much extinguished a lot of them in Los Angeles and Southern California. Then there's Kiwanis clubs, there's the Lions clubs, there's all these other ones. And then it turned out, well, we would go up to my sister's up in Seattle for Thanksgiving. It's like, well, if we're going to be up there and we know we're going to be up there, let me get a hold of a few of the uh, Rotary clubs, Kiwanis clubs, Lions clubs, and see if they're available for me to come up and speak. And I would, you know, notify them about a month or so, if I knew we were going up there or your family's back in Connecticut, I would go speak there. So I would start, I would find out how many people are in their club and saying that I would obviously, I would contribute a portion of sales of my books back to the club. And so I'd you know, be involved that way. So wherever we would go, I would bring a whole bunch of books and I had an opportunity to sell and talk books, talk about baseball rather. Including vacations in, you know, the Shenandoah Valley in Virginia, yeah. Hawaii. He did several talks in Hawaii, ran out of books, and we had to get more books shipped out to Hawaii because he had more talks left and no books left. Because as you heard me say in the introduction, like he's the only person I've ever seen come home from a speaking engagement where there might be 25 people and he'd sell 35 books because people would buy them for every, you know, kid, grandkid, friend that they knew that was interested in baseball. <laughs> like, I've never known an author to do that. But yes, my husband, my amazing husband did that. So any, any last words of wisdom that you want to share with authors before I just drive home one more point that I mentioned earlier? And that is, you know, hopefully one of the themes you're getting from listening to my husband is doing what it takes. He did what it took during the writing process, the interviewing process. 
I did what it took to figure out publishing. Like that, yeah, like I said, David was the first author I ever published, and I learned everything I needed to know about book publishing because I wanted to support my husband in his dream. You know, here I am 15 years later, you know, having published hundreds of authors, trained tens of thousands around the world. And it started because I just wanted to to help him. So I did what it took to support him. And then he did what it took to continue to market and promote his book when how he thought it was going to happen, it didn't happen that way. He continued to do what it took. And he's literally sold thousands of copies, just going to Rotary Clubs and Kiwanis and Lions and Chambers of Commerce. And he's sold you know, a lot more books than he did talk to people practically. So doing what it takes is a big thing that I want you all to take away from this episode today. But David, what are your final parting words to our aspiring authors that are listening? What do you want them to really walk away with? I would say, again, just make sure your message is bigger than you in a sense that when you get the rejections or you get the uh, writer's block or whatever, that it's, you are the vehicle, but it's, it's not about you. That should stop you. That, that should be a, a reinvestment of that's the reason why I'm doing this because I have this message or this mission, or it's part of your business or part of, for me, it was part of my coaching. So it went hand in hand. And it's really opened up so many more opportunities for speaking and, and whether it's in Kiwanis clubs or even baseball camps and different organizations. Or even the Baseball Hall of Fame up in Cooperstown, you got to speak there. Got a chance to speak there. But just realizing that, that you know, when it, when it comes up, who am I to write this book? I have no, I mean, literally, I had no business writing this. I mean, I had no background or expertise in any of this, but it was just... I think looking back at it, my my small little niche of what I want to do as far as a coach, oh, that's right. I want to I want to teach bigger picture, and here it, this kind of all goes hand in hand, and that kept the 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 flame of the passion burning within me, and that's what kept the message going. So even when it was hitting these roadblocks, and I would and I would I would step away from it, and just say, okay, maybe this isn't meant to be right now, and just another opportunity came up or where else can I, how else can I kind of think outside the box? But knowing that regardless if it's going to be thousands of copies in a, in a major league stadium, and I did sell a couple thousand to a minor league giveaway organization or speaking at rotary clubs or whatever it is, speaking at schools that it's about the message. That's what's going to keep propelling me and, and moving me forward. And then I think the words will come. I mean, I had no idea how to even organize my book. I thought, again, baseball, nine innings, all this other should be nine chapters. It didn't even turn out that way. But I I started that way. I made a couple of copies that way. The title of my book, Stepping Up to the Plate, that was not the original title. So it was keeping at it, getting some feedback, and then trusting what was deep inside of me saying, okay, you know, what, what book would I like to read? That's what I would say. I don't know if that came across, but uh, well, just keep at it. Beautiful. Keep at it. Exactly. Do what it takes. And remember that your message is bigger than you. Thank you so much, David, for being here with us today, being with me especially. I'm speaking to him from my office and he's downstairs in his office at our home in Pennsylvania. So that's kind of kind of fun. Can't wait to come down and give you a hug and say thank you for a great interview. But if people want to learn more about you, um, where would you like them to go? How can they go learn more about you? They can go to my website, davidcloser.com. D-A-V-I-D-K-L-O-S-E-R.com. And there's with my, my coaching, I do mental game coaching, 
kind of an aspect of sports psychology, working with athletes from travel baseball to professionals and just helping them. My tagline is coaching the person inside the player so that it's more about who you are as a person than, than who you uh, show up as, as a baseball player, but they're both go hand in hand. Awesome. So davidcloser.com and the cobbler's kid finally has shoes and my husband's book is back on Amazon after not being on there for a while. So you go to Amazon and also search Stepping Up to the Plate by David Closer and you can grab a copy of his book there too. So thank you so much, hon. I love You're you. Welcome. Thanks for taking the time to do this and share your story. It's really special because this, you know, your story is where my story started in serving authors in the way that I do. So thank you so much. Thank you all for being here. I look forward to seeing you in the next episode. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Get Your Book Done. Be sure to check out the show notes for links to everything we talked about today. And if you want my help with your book, head over to christinecloser.com to learn more and get a free copy of my book, The Transformation Quadrant which will show you how to blueprint your book in 15 minutes or less. The Get Your Book Done podcast is where the leading conversation is happening for transformational authors everywhere. And I'm grateful you tuned in.